294. We said in number 289 above that when some spirits were convinced that no one thinks on his own but from others, and that neither do all those others think on their own but from an influx through heaven from the Lord, in a state of wonderment they said they were then not at fault for doing evil. Moreover, that it seemed then that evil comes from the Lord, and also that they did not comprehend how the Lord could by himself cause all people to think so diversely. Now because these three notions cannot but flow into the thoughts, in the case of people who think of effects solely from the perspective of the effects and not from the perspective of their causes, we need to take them up and explain them in terms of causes. First, that people would then not be at fault for doing evil. If indeed everything a person thinks flows in from others, the fault does seem to lie with those from whom the thought originates. But still, the fault itself lies with him who receives. For he accepts the thought as his own, nor does he know anything to the contrary, or want to know anything to the contrary. The fact is that everyone wishes to be his own person, and to be directed by himself, especially to think and will of himself. For this is the essence of the freedom which every person has, which appears as something his own. If he were to be aware, therefore, that whatever he thinks and wills flows in from another, he would seem to himself to be held bound and captive, no longer his own master, and thus would die all the delight of his life, and finally his essential humanity. The reality of this is something I have quite often seen confirmed. Some spirits were granted to perceive and sensibly feel that they were directed by others. The spirits then blazed with such anger as to almost lose their minds, and they said that they would rather be held bound in hell than not to be allowed to think as they will and to will as they think. Not to be allowed to do this they called being bound as to their very life, a condition worse and more intolerable than being bound physically. Not to be allowed to speak and act as they think and will, this they did not call being bound, because the enjoyment of a civil and moral life, which consists in speaking and doing, produces restraint, and at the same time alleviates it. Now, because a person does not wish to know that he is directed to think by others, but wishes to think on his own, and also believes that he does, it follows that he himself is at fault for doing evil. Nor can he free himself from being at fault as long as he likes to think what he is thinking. On the other hand, if he does not like it, he frees himself from any connection with its sources. This he does when he knows that something is evil, and therefore wills to shun it and desist from it. He is also released then by the Lord from the society of spirits that is caught up in that evil and transferred to a society in which that evil does not exist. However, if he knows that something is evil and does not refrain from it, the fault is then imputed to him, and he becomes guilty of that evil. Whatever a person believes that he does on his own, therefore, is said to be done by the person, and not by the Lord. Second, that it seems then that evil comes from the Lord. This may be supposed as a conclusion from the observations presented in number 288 above, namely, that in hell, good flowing in from the Lord is turned into evil, and truth into falsity. Who cannot see, however, that evil and falsity do not arise from goodness and truth, thus from the Lord, but from the recipient vessel or object, 
which is an estate of evil and falsity, and which perverts and inverts the good and truth flowing in, as we also fully showed in number 292 above. In previous discussions, moreover, we have shown many times the origin of evil and falsity in people. An experiment, too, was performed in the spiritual world with spirits who believed that the Lord could remove the evils in evil people and in their stead introduce goods, and so convey the whole of hell into heaven and save them all. But the impossibility of this will be seen toward the end of this treatise, where we are going to discuss instantaneous salvation and mercy apart from means. Third, that they do not comprehend how the Lord could by himself cause all people to think so diversely. The Lord's divine love is infinite, and his divine wisdom is infinite, and infinite radiations of love and infinite radiations of wisdom emanate from the Lord. These in turn flow into all the inhabitants in heaven, and from there into all the inhabitants in hell, and from both heaven and hell into all people in the world. Consequently, there can be no one without the ability to think and will, for infinite things are all things infinitely. The infinite radiations which emanate from the Lord flow in not only universally, but also most particularly. For the divine is universal in consequence of its presence in the least particulars, and the most particular divine elements constitute what we call universal, as we showed above. Moreover, the least particular divine element is also infinite. It can be seen from this that the Lord alone causes everyone to think and will according to his character and in accordance with the laws of his divine providence. That all the elements present in the Lord and emanating from the Lord are infinite is something we showed in Numbers 46 to 69 above and also in our treatise Divine Love and Wisdom, Numbers 17 to 22.